Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. I think we're all ready for 2020 to be done, but I am still shocked it's December. Yeah, I can't believe it. Guys, welcome back to the podcast. We have a dual part topic Tuesday. We're going to cover some anxiety and some mm-hmm. maintenance. Yes, I think they intertwine, and so I made them kind of a dual part. Absolutely. It's going to be a really good topic Tuesday there. And then, of course, we do have a car debate as well. Keith is writing to us from Monterey. We were just in Monterey. We didn't see Keith, apparently. But he's yeah. in Monterey, and he has questions about a fun Keith, GT car with not much money. Keith has a lift. Did you notice that? I did. He's got a lift. I, I don't know I why, but you and I are just we're just lifts. jealous of lifts now. This is what's happened yeah. since we did our fix it piece. Our road trip piece is coming up fairly soon on our main YouTube channel. Yes. Thank right. you guys for your response to the Mazda three turbo piece on the test drive channel. That's playing well. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. We enjoyed that car. We liked shooting that piece. Thank you for your responses there as well. And I have to say it. Mm. We're post Thanksgiving. Indeed. Which means we're all buying stuff for Christmas. Pretty much. Have a couple of recommendations for you. Oh yeah. Go to our store. On our website, everydaydriver.com, go to the store tab. A few, Hang on. It, it, before you turn away, there's a few things going on there that are new. The jackets are back. Yes. The, the Everyday Driver jackets are back, which is very cool. The hats are coming back soon. Then go to the blip shift side. There's a ton of shirts there, including the cheap sports car shirts are now out too. One is for the Mercedes SLK and one is for the BMW Z4. So if it strikes you, mm-hmm. we would love for you to feel like you're part of this cheap sports car challenge yeah, because yeah, yeah. at the end of our challenge, we're going to be raffling them off. So wouldn't it be we cool are. if you had a t-shirt to go along with the car that you went? Yes. And then there's lots of other shirts on there as well. There's the, uh, the American original shirts, which I need a new one. There's daily triple coming back. There's lots yeah. of other stuff. But while we're talking about stuff, and again, you can get there real quickly from the store tab of our website. Also, while you're on the store tab of our website on Amazon, I have a book out. I'll take it from here. (laughs) Todd wrote a book. He's been working on this for 10 years. It is a novel called Paper Father. He and I are going to be discussing the book in our very first non-car related podcast in two podcasts from now. Next Tuesday, yeah. So next Tuesday, I can't wait for you all to read this. I just finished over Thanksgiving weekend. I read it. I like to read books like I watch movies. I pretty much need the intake all at once. Mm. It's either like Mm. a bowl of dip with potato chips all at once in. (laughs) It goes in. Mm. That's going to be your blurb. Todd's book is like a bowl of potato chips and dip. And I'm not sure if that's an endorsement or not, actually, but there it is. Yeah, It's, it's the highest ringing endorsement. <laughs> no, it, it is fantastic. So we're going to be talking about the book. We'll have questions from Nate Kuhn, our Cycle Report writer and yeah. reviewer on yeah. our YouTube channel as well. And we're open to other It'll general cool. questions from you guys. I realize you haven't read the book yet, but you may have by then. I mean, if you go quick. As of right now, it is out on Amazon as an ebook and as a paperback. So if you have, this is my only plug right now until later. If you have people <laughs> in your time. life that are readers and you want, and you get them books for Christmas, we have this struggle with my father-in-law every single year. Yeah, what right. hasn't he read? He reads so much. It's like, what hasn't he read? We have that <laughs> struggle. Right. But if you have people in your life that are readers, uh, I would love, I, genuinely, this is my, my desire. I would love for you to take a chance on my book, Paper Father. There will be much discussion of it. I'm very excited about it. It's Thank really you guys. cool. It's really cool. Really, really well done. I actually, we're sitting here discussing about movies and series and that kind of thing already, but you know what? Let's just get it published and get it out there, and it's really worth the read. It's just interesting, and and what it happened to me was make me think about various things, the topics you've brought up in my life, either cool. addressed or unaddressed, things that you haven't thought about in a while. 
Yeah, how do I feel about that? Mm, okay. Kind of brought those That's cool. I'm glad to hear that. That's great. I look forward to talking about it further. I look forward to you guys reading it. I look forward to people's response, commentary, reviews. I mean, this is going to sound weird, but one of the craziest things about writing in general, writing fiction, I'm not – I mean, you and I do nonfiction with this show. Pretty much. But otherwise, I am just a straight-up fiction storyteller. So one of the fun things for me about writing fiction is the fact that you're living in this world by yourself – until somebody else reads it. Right. You're just you're living right. on this island. And now I'm now people are going to finally read it, which is really cool. So cool, man. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. I, I appreciate really you reading cool. it. I appreciate everybody that will read it. Yeah. I, I'm very excited to share. I really am. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Jumping into this topic Tuesday came from two questions that I put together because there is a through line on here, and I thought we could touch on both. The first question is from Dan C., who writes to us and says his car gives him anxiety. Uh Uh-oh. And I have a Porsche bedtime story to read to you, Dan. (laughs) A Porsche bedtime story. (laughs) I do. All right. Get comfy, everybody. Brought that with me. And also, part two is the question from Kyle B. about maintaining a highly used car. He's got Mm -hmm. a 2009 Camry Hybrid with 200,000 miles on it. And kind of wondering, what do I need to do to make it keep going? 200,000 miles when he bought it. Yeah. That's the start of its life with him. Yeah, luckily he got it for $4,500, but uh, 200,000 miles on a Camry, it's going to keep going a while. All right, well, let's jump in with Dan's question here. He wrote to us with his car conclusion a while back, which was a certified pre-owned Jetta Sportwagon TDI, which he really likes. But he says the little things have kind of gotten to him. The sunroof is a constant worry because he discovered the glass is not factory, just like mm. you discovered on your Mitsubishi. Yes. Non-factory glass. The sunroof drains clogged the other day and leaked water onto the headliner. That's the worst. Now, it was taken care of during a dealer visit for other maintenance items. But he's had other issues starting it in warmer temperatures, like warm, like 60 to 75 degrees. Yeah. He can't pin it down, and so every time he now goes to start his car... He holds his breath as he turns the key and mm. prays it starts on the first try. Mm. You haven't experienced worrisome starting until you've owned a Maserati <laughs> Quattroporte fifth generation, my friend. That is a whole other thing. I, QP5 startup yeah. procedure is like, well, what's my backup plan? Mm-hmm. Twist the key. Every single time it started, and I didn't start it a quarter as much as you do. Every single time it started, it always like pinged that awareness in the back of my head of, shouldn't the car have started by now? You're, you're listening to the starter uh-huh. go. And every single, even though I knew it was coming, I still realized that it exceeded whatever that natural default in my head for the car should have started by. It always exceeded. But that default goes by a couple of times. Yes. It goes by and you think, okay, surely by now. And then it goes by again. Uh Yeah, yeah. And it still hasn't started. Nope. And you think, huh, am I going to be stranded? What's for dinner? And then it starts. Yeah. Do I have enough warm clothing? (laughs) Then it starts. Yep. For sure it does. Yep. Now, this car has worried Dan so much, he has had dreams about the car not starting. Again, Whoa. Maserati QP5. Whoa, okay, all right, yeah. 
The battery needed to be repaired and topped off with fluid with electrolytes. Okay. Lack of detail and gaps in the service history also worry him because even though the car was certified, he's not confident that everything was properly looked at given the things he has found since owning it. I want to stop right here for a second. All right. There are a lot of you that write us. There are a lot of us. We do this. Paul and I do this. A lot of us have talked about it. Certified pre-owned cars, not certified Paul-owned cars. Different thing. Certified Paul-owned cars, I would give to anyone and say, bless you, you're going to have a great car. Certified pre-owned cars from a dealer have a checklist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If the car passes the checklist, they can certify it. It right. doesn't mean there are no gremlins. It's this it, – and, and, and look, I'm over, ominous. I'm oversimplifying. That I'm oversimplifying. But on dark. one level, it is a marketing thing. It's not only marketing. But it is a come to this dealer and buy this car because ultimately, let's be honest. Look, right. if you buy if you buy a certified pre-owned dealer from your local whatever, okay, you buy from local dealer mm -hmm. that certified mm -hmm. pre-owned car, it stands to reason you're going to come back to that dealer for service, which is where they're actually going to make money. Right. So it right. is it, there. There isn't, if you will, look, I want to be careful here because there are good and bad dealers out there. So I'm not want to paint with a bad brush of all dealers are bad. I'm not saying that, but there is benefit. To the car not being perfect. Mm -hmm. Certified pre-owned doesn't mean this is new again. If it's not on the checklist, it didn't get checked out in many cases. I'm not saying there aren't dealers that don't go above and beyond. But what it means is it passed our checks. It doesn't mean right. all is right with the vehicle. That's a different list. I like painting with a bad brush versus painting with a broad brush. Well, okay. Where's my bad brush now? Hey, Where did sometimes, that go? Sometimes we're just going to paint with a bad brush and make things <laughs> awful. Here we go. Dan, uh, an additional note about this CPO thing. The sales department pays the service department to certify the car. This okay. happened with my CPO 2015 Porsche Cayman GTS. Mm -hmm. Money changes hands, but it doesn't leave the dealership. It just gets taken out of one bucket and put into another bucket. Pouring water from buckets. Here so we go. Somebody walks across over to the other side of the building, says, hey, I need this car CPO'd. Mm -hmm. And they say, all right, it's going to cost you this, this, and this. These things need to be done because we checked it out. Now, the sales department has to pay that, mm -hmm. but the money doesn't change hands. They got two new rear tires. They did a full like 15,000-mile service. They paid for items, and then, yeah. they, like you said, went through the checklist. Now, the car was new enough that it didn't have any problems. Sure. But doing sure. the checklist and paying the money, they had to buy two brand new tires. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah, one yeah. out. It came in. Yeah. Of course. It, it, they're known to chew tires. Yeah. yeah. But still, they did the checklist. Mm -hmm. Now, it applied in this case because it was new enough, and CPO is generally around newer cars. Yeah. You don't yeah, yeah. really find 10 to 15-year-old CPO'd yeah. cars. They're too worn out, yeah. essentially. That doesn't mean they're not desirable to own. Or, or here's the thing. You could get somebody's really old car, not CPO, and it could run great. Very true. Probably not if it's a $5,000 Fation or a $10,000 Maserati Quattroporte, but in general, I'm saying it's yes, possible. Yes. It's po We've got a 2,000-mile ca Camry coming up here in a yeah. little while, 200,000-mile Camry, so it, it, ties it does exist. It. Yeah. Now, Dan has had squeaks and rattles up here and disappear. Mm, I welcome to that. It means he can't track them down. Even though he really wants to like the car, it's the little things that keep him awake at night and makes him start to not like it anymore. Mm. But then he drives it, and it puts a big smile on his face. So the question here is, first of all, should he really let these things bother him as much as they do? And what advice do we have for people that are in similar situations? Mm, okay. Well, first of all, 
Dan, I have a Porsche bedtime story for you. <laughs> I am bracing myself, just so you know, Dan. I brought my warranty and customer information book from the Cayman. You did not. Oh, no. Okay. It is right here in my hand. This is going to be like Christopher Walken reading The Three Little Pigs or Look Goodnight out. Moon on The Simpsons. All right. All right. I'm bracing myself. Maybe it's more like you know, Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss, read by Jesse Jackson. <laughs> Remember when he did that years ago? <laughs> oh, no. If you haven't seen this, Green Eggs and Ham, read by the Reverend Jesse Jackson, is... Among the funniest things ever. You have Samuel L. Jackson's Go to Sleep. Oh, not go, yes. go the bleep to sleep, but it actually is. That is an all-time that. parenting classic He's right there. He's also a master of that. All right. So in my booklet here on page 11, there is a note that says, your vehicle is a mechanical device. All <laughs> mechanical devices make some sort of noise and or vibration. And these noises and vibration can differ from vehicle to vehicle. PCNA, Porsche Cars North America, recognizes those sounds as normal and characteristic of the product. Mm. Normal noises or vibrations as determined by PCNA can be anything from brake squeal to road vibration. Therefore, normal noise and or vibration and or deterioration as determined by PCNA or its representatives (laughs) are not covered by our new car limited warranty. The reason I read that to you, Dan... That's is because new cars. Porsche puts that in their warranty manual for a brand new car. You don't have a brand new car, even though it is CPO'd. Mm-hmm. Interesting point. New. Interesting point. Yeah. And my Cayman has squeaks and rattles that bug me. Yeah. I'm thinking that interior panel. Okay, I've tracked the car, but it should be fine. Yeah. And then later I don't hear it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it's colder out. Like the plastic swelled or something. Yeah. I don't know. And it's not rubbing against the other thing that caused the squeak. Sure. Sure, sure. And then later on, another day, it'll come back. I'm going, Grr! My Lotus what? Elise is a festival of noise. It's just... It's, <laughs> that aren't the engine, right? No. Oh, no. I mean, the, 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 the engine makes its own stuff, but there's right. just... There's so many little... And they're new. They're, it's like always new. So I was always a new one. Okay. Love it. But yeah, that creates such a massive, huge, semi-sized hole to walk through and be like, no, no, that's normal. This is Porsche being at the top echelon of cars in their engineering and build quality. They are consistently in the top three for reliability, too. They put that in their warranty information. That's a great point. I'm not saying all cars are lesser from here. What I'm saying is all cars are lesser from here. (laughs) (laughs) That was subtle. All right, yes. The point is, if they're willing to do that, what happens with all the other manufacturers? Is there something in their warranty that says, you know what? Squeak's pretty normal and things can happen and parts fit and sometimes they come out of the mold and the cooling wasn't adequate in that mold and there was a little bit more shrinkage on that part than before and (laughs) well, it's going to squeak and we put it in anyway. Your car did that. That's weird. All right. Yeah. Quality control is what this is for. and There are Mm -hmm. people inspecting cars as they leave the line. Yeah. Yeah. But in the case of Ford F-150s, they're shooting out of the end of the factory at every 51 seconds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> that means there's a lot of people That's doing fast. a lot of inspecting. And a lot of going on. Yeah. Quickly. They're not going over them with a toothbrush. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Or any comb of any sort. <laughs> no combs involved. So again, yes, you don't know what has gone on with your car. The CPO checklist indicates it's fine. And by CPO, that probably means it's still under warranty, like you indicated for the battery. Mm-hmm. So my solution here is getting a post-purchase inspection. Okay. What if you took it to a different dealer or a different mechanic that has no skin in the game Yeah. yeah. and will tell you straight up, you know what? I'm seeing a lot of Bondo under here. Hmm. Or whatever. The paint's yeah. mismatched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they will find nothing mm-hmm. and be like, you know what? Drive your car and enjoy it and it looks fine and yeah. these cars do that or maybe yours does and his doesn't, but okay. Yeah. It's in top yeah. mechanical shape. Keep it running. Go. Keep it maintained mm-hmm. and you'll get miles out of it and keep enjoying it. 
Dan, this is hard. I'm actually going to go to a question because a question fits in here before we keep going. But Dan, this is difficult because what you have to do, cars are expensive and it's really hard to do this with, but you have to disconnect yourself from the fact that something may break. Because the problem is, yes, at some point, something will break. Yeah. But it could be today and it could be four years from now. So you got to do the maintenance and then you have to, I mean, like I said, look, my the, the number, the amount of noise in the Lotus is staggering. <laughs> is it mostly around the top and where it connects? It's, it's all over. It, 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 like, do the why? screws back themselves out? No. Like in a horror film, the doorknob screws start to back themselves out. Literally a week ago, I opened the driver's door and it made a click. It was like, why is this clicking now? <laughs> why Why is it clicking? The next time I did it, it didn't do it. I was like, what? Yesterday it was clicking. Where's my friend the click? Why? <sighs> So, but you can drive yourself nuts. You are driving yourself nuts. You're actually having dreams about this. Yeah, don't do that. So one of two things, either disconnect yourself from the fact that, yes, stuff will go wrong with any car and drive it and solve it when it happens, not wonder when it will. Or you may have to get rid of this car. I hate to say it, but you may have to get into something else because it may be that concerning for you. But I like your idea of getting somebody else to look at it. I mean, just somebody who's, mm-hmm. you know, hey, this is going on. You know these cars. Yeah, Give yeah, me yeah. your straight-up opinion. They may be like, this is a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Go enjoy your car. Or this is indicative of something else. This is this could be a problem. Or I doubt it. Mm-hmm. But so far, the car has started and run. Batteries wear out. Batteries. The, the weird starting issue is very odd. That is yeah. not... A concern of mine. If it's a battery, whatever, batteries can be replaced. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's something else in the electrical system and the starting procedure, okay, maybe something isn't quite right. But don't take it back to the same dealer that CPO'd everything. They'll be like, yeah, sure, wink, wink, everything's great. What are you talking about? We CPO'd it, we're good, wink. <laughs> Rick, H- Rick HMC wrote in with a question that I think relates here. He says that we seem to both really like our cheap sports cars, and we do. Mm-hmm. But then in the next breath, we each quickly say what we don't like. I don't like the steering in my Z4. Yeah. You've talked about how you wish the SLK was better dynamically. His question is, what, how do we like these cars and have things we so dislike about them? Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm putting this right here, Rick, because, Dan, I think it relates to what we're talking about. I, I personally think that car. the reason I relate cars to people a lot of times is because cars, like people, are more interesting when they're not perfect. You have probably met someone in your life. I, I, I remember yeah. growing up, my dad yeah. had a girl that he thought I should get with. Yeah. There's like, he was like, that I think is the kind of woman you should marry. She was perfectly nice. <laughs> and I found her incredibly boring. Right. Okay. Right. And I'm, I, look, I'm sure she's happily married. I don't even remember who, what her name was, but I'm sure she's happily married now, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But my point is, if you have something that is perfect or perfect's the wrong word just fine there's nothing wrong with fine true but it true. typically isn't very compelling and i think yes. things that are weird sometimes make something interesting but in the case of cars i don't think a bad thing about a car negates everything good about it so let me go to the z4 specifically i don't like the steering the steering has no information but you know what a Honda S2000, which is pretty well lauded as being one of the best sports cars ever, has early-gen electric steering that has almost no feel. I mean, it's got more than the Z4 because Z4 is mute. Yeah. It's, but it's the S2000 has very little it's in the grand some. scheme. It's, it's got, got some. some. It's got some, but not yeah. great. Okay? The, the Z4 has no steering feel, and that's weird, but the engine's glorious. And the gearbox is decent, and the car feels light, and it's genuinely fun to drive in spite of the fact that why isn't the steering wheel talking? 
Right. So this is my big point here, Rick. That's my point back to you, Dan, is even if a car has issues, there may still be things about it that you really like, and both can exist. I don't think that the downsides to a car, you're never going to find a car that's a 10 across the board. There's going to be something that's a little odd and okay. That doesn't negate all the stuff that's great about it. And the best example that you and I have come across over and over and over and over and over is the 86 chassis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you desperately want more power in it. I wish the engine was better, but you know what? I'll take that car. Apparently, they're putting more power in it, so then then I might take it. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Rick, I love the way you describe the SLK. It's a bit of a pudding, dynamically. (laughs) Don't forget the whiskey buttercream sauce poured over the top. That should be a shirt. It's a bit of a pudding. (laughs) Yes, it is, and the gearbox is quite good. The steering is no better than the Z4, but I marvel at this $6,500, 154,000-mile SLK 280. Mm Mm-hmm. That still has that door thunk. It still feels engineered. It still feels years later. Like it just runs. Yeah, it yeah. seems pretty good engineering here. It's, everything fits pretty well. Now it it racks quite a bit, and the top squeaks when you go over a curb, you know, sideways, and so the all four mm-hmm. wheels go creak, creak, yeah. and they rack the car. You know, it, it does do that, but still, it seems tight and solid. I'm going sixty five hundred dollars. See, you're hitting on another thing. That's here cool. That, that I think is key. We as humans are willing to give a greater pass to something that costs less. True. If you'd bought that SLK brand new for True. 55 or 60 grand and it was doing some of the stuff it was doing, you would be at the dealer right now going, excuse me, sir. Very true. It's $48,000 new. In okay. At $6,500, you're like, I can't believe this is this good. Right. <laughs> Which happens too. Yeah. Right. Is it the best driving car ever? No. No, but there's elements of fun about it. Mm-hmm. And then when we compare the percentage, this is a, Entirely different conversation. The percentage of fun to be had in a cheap car, and you paid a quarter million over here for this car, yeah, is the yeah. percentage of fun equal to that delta of dollars between the two cars? Interesting point. This is another topic, too. Great question. Yeah, yeah. But we must continue with the second part of the question here, and that is from Kyle B., he is 22 years old. He got his first job after graduating college in May. Very cool. Moved from a small town where he could bike everywhere. To a big city where public transportation is virtually non-existent. Is this Los Angeles? I was wondering if it's L.A. It sounds like L.A. Probably the worst public transit ever. Keep going. <laughs> he says, one of the first things I did when he got here was buy his first car. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. He was relying on a coworker for daily rides to and from work. He didn't have the time to spend months finding the perfect car or the budget to buy new or CPO. Okay. He's got a friend who's a car guy who helped him find a 2009 Camry hybrid with 200,000 miles on it. And it came with a stellar maintenance record, That's all good. for $4,500. Okay, all right, all right. So he bought the car. He's been loving it so far. But the question here is, how does he take care of it and keep it running great? Mm-hmm. He's taken it for an oil change and get the fluids topped off. But what other kinds of preventative maintenance should he consider? Mm. He's never worked on cars, but he is a very handy person and would love to use this as an opportunity to learn his way around cars. Okay, cool. He's right, already planning on replacing the spark plugs over the weekend, he says, when he's riding. But he's wondering what else might be prudent, particularly with winter around the corner. Hmm. All right. do. Okay. Well, your car does have these maintenance records, stellar records, apparently, that most cars don't come with. Yeah. I don't know why owners who take their cars to, you know, use car dealers. And when they make their rounds on the auctions and all this stuff, people look at this stack of records and think, nah. Yeah. Why why aren't the records just tossed in the trunk and just stay with the car? I agree with that. I I don't get it. The Maserati didn't have records. So therefore... I started as if nothing had been done. Yeah, that's true. Those records, though, aren't just nice to have and you never look at them. You have to crack them open. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You have to start going back. 
and you will learn what that owner did. You will see a pattern. Mm -hmm. Oh, the prior owner did this. Mm -hmm. And I compare it against the maintenance, actual maintenance record for Mm -hmm. the car Mm -hmm. itself from Toyota. Well, that particular thing didn't need to be done quite as much as this owner did. Huh? They over maintain this car. Mm -hmm. Okay. They spent some more money on it, but man, 200,000 miles. So you start to get a sense of reading your owner's manual, what the car recommends, they usually stop somewhere in the 150,000-mile range. But the intervals continue. But the intervals, yeah. you can you can extract yep. and extrapolate yep. what intervals yep. and what they need done for the 40,000, know, 120, mm-hmm. all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So you start to look at that, and then you start to look back through the records. Oh, this car already had the oil changed. It had a battery not too long ago. Mm-hmm. The CV axle boots were replaced. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. And then you start to understand the cadence of what the prior owner thought about to yeah, get you yeah. to that 200,000 mile mark. A, it's a Toyota Camry. It is going to run, but not if you don't maintain it, not if you don't keep it maintained. So once you start looking at all those records, I've done this with mm-hmm. almost every car I've owned. Look at those records. If they have them, Maserati is the grand exception. And then you figure out, huh, okay, I'm starting to see what you can do. Yes, spark plugs are great, but with you, you don't have to assume anything. You don't have to think, mm-hmm. huh, what, what's next? You've got a whole stack of records yeah. as your guide. Agreed. This is your map to mm-hmm. the car. I would also say here, Kyle, I, I think you need to look through and not just top off fluids, replace fluids. That's a great one. Transmission fluids. It's stuff Full that people flush. don't think about. Yeah. Just just get all of the fluids on the car redone. Unless you can find, to Paul's point, a record that says they've been done recently. But transmission fluid, I feel like, is the great forgotten fluid. Absolutely. It's like, whatever, it's got a transmission. Whatever. Oil, oh, I, I do oil religiously. When's the last time you did the transmission? And you just see the question mark over their head, like, mm-hmm. the what now? Yeah. So transmission differentials, <laughs> these sorry. kind of things. Also, 2009 is late enough, or recent enough, I want to think about it, Toyota had been doing their hybrid system for about a decade at that point. Mm -hmm. So they probably had it fairly well dialed. I would get on forums and find what are the standard things that can go wrong with that era of Toyota hybrid system. Because I'll be honest with you, I've got no idea. Right. But But I guarantee you you the web knows. So find out what those standard things are and make sure the prior owner did those. They will be specific to the Toyota hybrid system. So find Very that true. out. I think transmission yeah. fluid and anything that the hybrid system typically needs are the big things that you will probably not think of but should do. Yep. yep. Then at 200,000 miles, I don't know where you are in the country, but it's 200,000 miles and a little over 10 years old, you will probably have rubber elements in the car that have gone bad. Now, this is a bit of a Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Yes. You could replace all of those pieces. And it would take a long time. It costs a lot of money. Don't do that. It might be interesting, either your car friend or a mechanic or whatever. Have somebody look at it with that in mind and tell you about where do you have rubber, either bushings or hoses or belts that look like they need a new one. Yeah. Yeah. And you may end up with a list and you may do them over time or you may do them yourself, which is fine. You can do them yourself. You can do radiator hoses and I can, you can absolutely do that stuff. But it would be good to find somebody that can tell you the condition of the rubber elements of the car because it's old enough with enough miles that theoretically some of that stuff can or will wear out soon. Yeah. Time and heat will bake all those rubber and plastic things. The last thing I will say, Kyle, is getting that car up on a lift or just getting underneath the car. Put your own eyes on it. That'll tell you a lot. Start to identify parts, understand, all right, that's the AC compressor. That's the alternator. Just basics. Go through. See if you can identify everything in there, including all the hybrid parts. If you don't know what you're looking at, go find the answer. 
ah, I know what that part is. And that's, that's how it should look. Okay. And then when you put your own eyes on it, you just get a visual inspection going. Things might be leaking the Jeep Grand Cherokee I had. Mm -hmm. The steering felt really off. Mm -hmm. The dealer said, no, should be fine. Later on, they found all the should be fine. (laughs) I found out all the hydraulic fluid had leaked into the boot, which means it wasn't in the actual system itself. But it wasn't leaking onto your floor either. But it wasn't leaking anywhere. Mm -hmm. It was just leaked over here into a different spot where it shouldn't be. (laughs) No, no, I told you it was wrong. Things like that. Just get your eyeballs on the car. See if any, you know, if you can spot any leaks or if you spot you know rusted broken parts Mm -hmm. just that will get you familiar with your own car and that'll inform you in the decisions compared against your service records and what the owner did because that owner clearly knew and probably over maintained it in some areas but also just drove it when you want to wash your car but you're short on time grios has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without even having to rinse try the rinseless wash and wax kit or the waterless pfm spray on car wash kit from grios garage They're both ideal if the weather has gotten colder outside, or you're an apartment dweller, or if you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You can get a perfect wash indoors or out in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are a no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Remember, Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all their liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, remember to use the code EVERYDAY for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Keith in Monterey is writing about a grand tourer, but he doesn't have much money, but he does have a lift in his garage. Keith has a lift. And from here, it spirals into madness. Man. Keith, thanks for writing so much. He is looking for this road trip car, mostly for two people, but occasionally four. And he's been listening to about a year back in, in uh, back podcasts. Thank, Thank you so much. Back cool. episodes. He drives a service truck for work, drives a hundred mile loop daily. And he says, I've not checked out your video stuff. He says, eyes on the road. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, Fair enough. Cool. He recently finished a VR6 engine swap on a 1978 Scirocco. Cool. All right. He has had a chance to do some pleasure rallies, he says. Very fun. Very fast. He took his girlfriend for a ride and she was not into it. <laughs> I can relate, Keith. I can relate. My All wife right. is like, can we go home now? Because I'm not enjoying this. Whereas my son is like, let's drive longer. <laughs> let's go yeah. faster. Now, he also has a 2016 Transit 150 that does all the people and stuff moving as well okay. as camping right. and towing. Okay, cool. So reliable, all that stuff. A future project that he has acquired, Keith has a lift. I'm noting a pattern, yes. Is a 1984 Celica GTS Coupe. Those are cool. He is a firm believer in the Radwood movement. Love it. That's fantastic. He wants a rarish, fast, luxurious GT car for taking his girlfriend and sometimes his two teenage kids on a road trip or day trip. Okay. He's got a thing for German cars. Yeah, welcome to the club, man. (laughs) (laughs) That is a deep hole. I'm sorry. It really is. He was swapping a W108. That's a late 60s, early 70s Mercedes. He said his grandma had one forever. My neighbors growing up, the Egglestons, had a manual, the four-speed transmission, one of those things. I was playing it at one time and pushing the clutch, and the car bonked my parents' house. It rolled forward into my parents' house. (laughs) It's like, oh, so that's what a clutch does. It holds it in place. That's interesting, yeah. (laughs) Now, Keith thinks he wants a 2005 or 06 Mercedes CL65. Okay, all right, all right. 
He's heard the maintenance costs and the repair bills. I can hear all of you gasping. Mm-hmm. Don't do it, Keith. Yeah, but but he's but he's not scared of that part of it. He's got a lift. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "I fancy myself a decent mechanic. He's got a good set of tools, and he's not afraid of buying the good diagnostic computer for it." Okay. All right. Keith, whenever somebody sends a budget, I never look at the first numbers. <laughs> you look at the highest number given. I scan. I'm going right Keep for the highest going number. Going up for the high number. So said, yeah. My budget is fifteen to twenty thousand dollars, but I'm willing to stretch it to thirty. I don't Your even look at fifteen 30. or twenty. I know. I'm I just look surprised. at the thirty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, with about two thousand a year in maintenance and tires, is there a car he's overlooking? A few things are interesting about this, Keith. Uh, a lot of things, and I've got some. I, the the car I want you to get. I can't believe I found one or a few at your really? price point. So we'll get there. But a couple of things going on here, Keith. I sense from this that I can't get you a two-seater because we're talking about two teenage kids and a girlfriend. Okay. So I stayed, and I, I wanted to go into just two-seaters, but I stayed all two-plus-twos. Now, they're not going to have a ton of space in the back, but it allows you to carry more than one other person. I don't think all four of you are going anywhere, but it allows you to carry more than one other person when you go places. I look. I think the CL65 is cool. Those I think are it's a good option. Awesome. I think it's a really good option yeah. for the budget. I think you'd thoroughly enjoy that car. I think the stuff that will go wrong with it is probably stuff you can deal with, and the fact that you're up for dealing with it is great. Also, two thousand a year in maintenance is your tolerance level, but this isn't going to be anything close to your only car. So what do we yeah. think the mileage is going to be on this car? Maybe five thousand in a year. Maybe. Yeah, it'll be sporadic. So. Driven. It also doesn't have to run, and it doesn't have to do a ton of miles. I mean, so it was a Monterey, so ideally, yeah. You know, hopefully, you're going to have some cool road trips, but but it doesn't. It's it's going to be a mostly a fun GT. Let's go on a road trip car once or twice a year is what I hear. I don't hear like a heavy miles car. Okay, fair which enough. I like. I agree. I agree. So I have a few here. But I'm curious about your choices as well. I've got a list. By Here. the way, are there any Hellcat powered anything's that are thirty thousand dollars yet? Uh, Do we know? Probably are some salvage ones and then be very, very afraid. Because that is exciting. Yeah. Exciting news, everybody. Hellcat anythings are $30,000. doors. Hide the kids. <laughs> all right, Keith. I've got a list here for you, buddy. First of all, you're going to maybe hate me if you go to topgearporsche.com in Uh-oh. New Jersey and just start scanning because if you always wondered where all the really nice examples of the older cars, where do they go? Where do they live for sale besides bring a trailer? They live here, topgearporsche.com. Okay. All right, all right. It's not just Porsches. Maybe half of it is Porsches. The rest yeah, are these, all these least other half interesting of it is things. But yeah, they do get a lot of good and stuff. And they're expensive, but sometimes you come across the, oh, I didn't know those were $30,000. <laughs> and what have you found? Well, that's cool. First of all, any running 911 for $30,000. Yeah. But on the other hand, I, I get it. You're going to you know be spending a lot of time wrenching on it. How about a C4 Corvette ZR1? You probably all saw that coming. Ooh, okay. Nice right. one start at $25,000. Two-seater, but a heck of a car for the money. Just really, really good. Scrumptious. Yeah, scrumptious. Yeah. 2009 Jaguar XK convertibles are $29,000, everyone. Yep, that would work. That would totally work, yep. But BMW 840 and 850 CSIs, that the is 90s on my list. cars, they're between twenty dollars and $30,000. That is on my list, the 850i. For a car you're going to maintain yourself, get a V12 850i Grand Tour. Have a nice day and bring your tools. But I have two wild cards for you, Keith. I like all of these and I do like your CL. I'm acknowledging the CL. But the mm, the wild card, number one, you're going to throw right out. It is a Ferrari 456. 
Hmm. Do you remember those? Yeah. yeah also yeah. a V12. The cheapest one I found was $49,500. <laughs> right out of the budget, but yes. It's right out. I okay. get that, but got it, got the it. 456, the unloved Ferrari. The, yes, it is. Eh, I don't really think that's a Ferrari. The shape isn't quite there, mm-hmm. but I've seen one not too long ago, and I was just going, what? Yeah, it, it hits the rare sound? thing. Yeah, Cheap enough. But the super-duper wild card that I do think is the car. Okay. I found you a 2002 Aston Martin DB7 Vantage Roadster Convertible. Oh, my gosh. In showroom condition with very low miles, 24,657 miles in Gillies Green with cream truffle Connolly leather hides. <laughs> Good luck keeping that Cream clean. truffle. Just, that's that all just that. Sounds it's, it sounds like a problem. Luxurious. No, it sounds like something that's going to be horrible Your to Your girlfriend will like yeah. the cream truffle hides in the interior. Probably, yes. This is powered by a 5.9 liter V12 engine, rear wheel drive, 24,000 miles. It is a five-speed automatic. The green is gorgeous. It's It's BRG. It's... With the tan interior and the tan top. It's an Aston Martin V12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All for $32,900. Huh. Okay. In Fort Worth, Texas, O2 Aston Martin DB7. All right. You've done well. 329. Surely they just plead your case. Look, Paul pointed me your way. Can I have it for 30 grand? (laughs) Paul who? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the 10 slot Aston Martin Sport alloys. It's got. All the stuff. That's funny. All That's the, funny. Oh, the ad is just listed with stuff. Fort Worth, Texas, Gillies Green with cream truffle. <laughs> tell them we sent you. Don't know what that means or gets you, but tell them we sent you anyway. <laughs> You're like, who? Yeah, exactly. Get out of my house. You've said, Keith, that you have a thing for German cars. So I actually stayed with German cars. All good. All good. I, I looked for stuff under thirty grand, just like Paul did, and I just thought, what's out there? What really fits the GT car idea? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I already said BMW 850. I already said that, the CSI. But go more recent. The Bangle era. The oh. 6 Series. Oh. The 6 Series from the Bangle era. Those weren't pretty, though. Some of them are good. And you know what? Occasionally, at this price point, you can find an M6, which For is the V10. 30. An M6. V10. By the, the way, we drove era. that car with the V10 that Todd is talking about. We drove the M5, yeah, it's yeah. On the test drive channel, mm-hmm. that M5 is scrumptious. It's very cool. And those are known to need maintenance. But the guys <laughs> that have them and give them maintenance enjoy them like crazy. So Ooh. a Bangle Era 6 Series is up there, okay? Another one I thought of going back further. I, I'm trying to stay new, and I have my favorite, which is fairly new, and I'm shocked that it works. But you could go back a bit. In the world of Porsche, this is going to hurt Paul a bit, but get yourself a Porsche 928. Get a 928. I just, I love those. V8 motor. It was, its whole purpose is to be a Grand Tourer. That's That's what it's great at. It's so sexy looking. Go get a 928. You can have, you will have tons of options in your budget. You're not going to get the nicest one ever, but who cares? You're going to get one that runs and is nice and is ready to go. Keep the 928s alive. Yes. So Porsche 928 is up there, but the one that I think you should get, you're talking about Grand Tour. You want a nice interior. You want to take your girlfriend who's not about fast driving. This is a cruiser car, possibly your teenage kids. You want something that's not that common. Maybe you can work on it. You kind of can't believe you have it is the sense that I'm getting, Keith. You know what are out there for thirty grand now? 
Tell Bent- me quick. Bentley Continental GTs. What? Yep. What? There's not a lot of them. What? But they're down there. They're down to thirty grand or just below now for the V8s. And I'll be honest, I don't think you want the W12 because I think as much as it would be cool, I think it's going to be more work. We're talking first generation then, right? We're talking like the oh, 05, oh, 05 to 08 Restyling. kind of range. Yeah, 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 yeah. $30,000. Bentley thinks, Continental GT. 100K minimum. Exactly. That's the thing. You could have that car for thirty grand, and somebody will think, first off, they won't think it's more than 10 years old. And secondly, they will think you're riding high. They will think, wow, where did you get hundred grand to spend on a Bentley Continental? Now, I'm not going to speak to the maintenance, Wow! but it was co-developed around that time with the Phaeton. There's a lot of shared parts in that kind of stuff. <laughs> there it is. So, but, but, love. but you can get those parts. And I will also submit to you that I bet you the Bentley Continental GT will be more normal to work on than the Phaeton. Everything's more normal to work on than that. It is, it is a low bar. You're right. But can you believe it? $30,000 for a Bentley Continental GT. Bentley? You get the winged bee for thirty k. I'm telling you, Keith, I that's I am landing there. I think that's the answer. Bentley's. I don't know that it's the right answer, but it's the answer <laughs> it's as far right as I'm answer. concerned. Although cream truffle, Keith, cream truffle interior on the Aston. We're, we're, ooh, I guess it's German, but I guess it's British, isn't it? That Continental, it's kind of both. Yeah. Keith, let us know what happens. One thing you can never have enough of is car stuff, and that's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of their award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. And you'll get access to members-only live streams on topics like car values, automotive history, and do-it-yourself tutorials. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts, including a deal of the week, which is always an incredible deal and lasts only a couple of days. If you love cars half as much as we do, this is the club for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash Everyday Driver. You guys have buried us in questions. Thank you so much. There's so many here. We won't even get close to covering all of them. I did mark a lot. I'm going to start right here with David Elfering, who said, what's the most emotive driver's car between twelve dollars and $30,000? It's a huge swath. Fun <laughs> involving maybe a little raw. You put the word raw in there, I'm going to tell you get a Lotus product. Get a Lotus Elise for thirty grand. Have a nice day. But in it's this really swath, you can get old 911s, you can get 86s all day long, you can get Caymans, you can get Boxsters, I can keep going, you can get Z cars, mm. all of these are in there. You could get a Caterham. Delightful. So what kind of personal, you give me no other parameters and a huge swath of budget. I actually do think the most involving driver's car, I know I'm biased, most involving driver's car for 30 grand or less is the Lotus Elise. I think that's the answer. But that isn't the answer for everybody, and I have to admit that. Maybe our next challenge could be the mostly cheap sports car challenge. Almost cheap sports car. Right. He's mostly dead. We buy a old sports car that's depreciated down to the level of the average new car price in this country, which is just over thirty grand. How much fun would that be? <laughs> You're going to be finding an old Mondial and cackling your way through the series. I can oh, tell. Yeah. Mondial. Oh. Cutler Colin 99 says, we already know Todd's feeling about Christmas music. Mm-hmm. People it's, just want to hear you rant. It's on right. in the house already. Yeah, and, and I, I discovered a new a new layer of it. Oh no! Yesterday. Oh no! Oh man! I oh. we're sitting at dinner. <laughs> the three of us are eating wonderful meal. Sitting dinner with my family. It was a very nice moment. Uh-huh. Christmas music is playing, and I'm my wife sorry. actually says, unprompted, "You know what I realized? I realized that when I put on this Christmas music, it just dissolved all my stress away." 
And if this is the moment that it dawns on me, I got more stressed when I walked in the house five minutes ago, and I think it's the music. <laughs> All that stress that dissolved out of you just filtered right into me. I, 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 but we kept playing Christmas music because it chilled my wife out, and she was having a lovely evening, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I just have to keep thinking it has a time frame when it stops. <laughs> There is a light at the end of this tunnel. It was on for like an hour and a half, and I think they only played six songs. It was just different people doing the same six songs. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. We've talked about almost every artist, most of them you've heard of, all your favorite artists, decide to go trolling, and they decide to do a Christmas album. Yeah, Whoever your favorite artist is probably did a Christmas album. It's a financial decision, and that's it. I hate to say it, but I think that's true. It's guaranteed it'll sell. Mm-hmm. They have to do very little arranging of the Christmas music to make it theirs. Just play the song. Let's sing it. Put together a Christmas album. Mm-hmm. It'll sell. Yep. Make money. It'll sell directly to their target audience and no one else. Yeah. But they will. It's an instant album that people will buy and keep. Yep. I saw a meme that said this you know, person took their car to the mechanic and they said, my car is making a funny noise. And the mechanic says, have you tried removing the Mariah Carey Christmas CD? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Somebody's now is, offended. Moving on. The question is, how does he feel about people decorating their cars with lights and ornaments and other decorations? Do you remember when Lyft started the rideshare yes. company Lyft mm, and they had the pink mustache over huge. the grills? Yes. And then later on they figured, yeah, that radiator is there for a reason mm-hmm. for airflow. They, that's why they engineered it to get air into the engine. You've put a fuzzy mustache covering almost the entire thing. Yes. And people's cars were overheating. Yes. Wondered why. Huh. That's guess they weird. don't do that huh. anymore. That's very bizarre that yeah. that happened. That's crazy. Yeah, don't don't decorate your cars. Yeah, don't. Don't do this. Unless, of course, you're the minister of finance. That shirt is coming, and I guarantee you there'll be flags on the corners. <laughs> there I guarantee might you. be yes. a wreath on the grill. Yeah, there you go. That, the minister of finance can get away with a wreath on the grill because they, they are the minister of finance, and that's how that works. <laughs> Daniel Likes Cars said his dad's never had a driver's car. So he's replacing an old Jeep Grand Cherokee and considering a driver's car. Exciting. So he's throwing out two options, the new Acura TLX, which we have in the drive right now, going to do a test drive on it, or the Genesis G70 sedan. Of those two, Daniel, it's the G70. Genesis. Done. I'm very excited for us to share the test drive of this Acura because it's fantastic looking, and I'm really excited to drive it for camera. It's not out yet, but there's the teaser that the G70, I think, is the better choice there. Mike Schmidt asks, at what point do we think the SUV buying general public will realize that when everybody's in an SUV, their reason for getting one, higher seating, is now moot? I think that's already starting. But he's saying, does that mean there will be a demand for even taller vehicles and taller seating positions? I think it's only going to stay where we're at. I don't Mm -hmm. think from a physics standpoint or car dynamic standpoint (laughs) that you want to go any taller at this point. The pickup trucks are already riding high, and I... I don't think SUVs are going to do that. What's crazy is to think about the fact that the current 1500 series pickups are bigger than the Hummers were. That's nuts. That's I mean, because we all I st- still think of the Hummer as this was the biggest thing ever. Not really. They're compacts now. <laughs> Not quite, but we Times are getting changed. There. It's madness, isn't it? Justin Eyes asking the best vehicle to take a 12-foot monolith to the middle of the desert. <laughs> it I vanished. Have. It vanished. It vanished. I know. Yeah. I have your car. Oh, okay. it's actually a truck. The Tesla Cybertruck. Oh, it's perfect. That is. That is it's actually perfect, right. That actually just might be a bumper applique for the Tesla Cybertruck in the just middle of nowhere. Plant a Tesla Cybertruck on end, like stick it on its nose into the dirt, and call it art. Cybertruck hinge. Cyber hinge. Cyber hinge. Cyber. 
truck. I don't know. Yeah, there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn it. Patton's asking about long way up. I've mentioned before that I really like this series. Ewan McGregor and his buddy Charlie Borman have done Ride Around the World motorcycle series. There's Long Way Round. Guess what? They went all the way around the world. There's <laughs> Long Way what? Down. Guess that what? They went down from the top of Scotland to the bottom of South Africa. And then they the only part of the country or the world they really hadn't covered was South America. So they did Long Way Up from the southern tip of South America to Los Angeles, which is a part of the world they hadn't done yet. He's asking my thoughts because one of the big twists in this was there's an EV element They're on Harley-Davidson electric motorcycles, and their support vehicles, at least some of their support vehicles, are electric running first-gen, like, prototype 01 and 02 Rivian pickups. We barely got them finished. They very much barely got them finished. I mean, all the the buttons inside are labeled with tape. I mean, they were – I mean, but they ran, which is very impressive. I actually think that the EV angle, and he brings it up, the fact that it is a major part of the narrative, I think it steals the narrative. Unfortunately, I think it steals the narrative. Mm. And I think, unfortunately, this is the first time in these three series, because I still really liked it, but it is my least of the three. I say watch Long Way Round if you want. The video quality has not held up well because cameras have moved way on, but Long Way Round's amazing. Mm. But I think that this one is the one that feels like the drama has been a little bit manufactured, whereas the others didn't. I didn't like it as much. Interesting. But it was still good in spite of that. Just not as good as the others. Okay. All right. Cars Monmouth, New Jersey says, when you see a really nice car, what Mm. is an immediate tip off that the owner is not really a car guy or car girl for him, a dealer license plate frame or any dealer ID on the car is the tip off. I think that's pretty good. It's a good one. You should be asking the dealer to pay you about $3,000 a year for advertising. Otherwise, you should just rip that off or you know, take your thumbnail and scratch that off, the stuff on the back of the paint, because, yeah, that's how they just sneak that in yeah, there. Yeah, not advertising for you, yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine kept a, a dealer license tag that wasn't from the dealer that he bought it from on the front license plate and drove around with that forever. It's weird. I'll give you one that I, that I see. I think if you see a really nice car, but the interior has stuff all over it, it's not a car person. Mm-hmm. Now, I, and I realize people have various levels of tolerance for junk in cars and houses. I know we're not all the same right, level. Right. Most of us are not Paul's level of cleanliness in a car. I get that too. But I think if you're a person that loves cars and loves driving, the stuff in your car has a place. Yeah. Because you don't yeah. want stuff moving around. You don't want random. You want to know where things are. So I think people that I have known that have not been car people, even if they had a nice car, I, not across the board, but in general, I feel like those are the ones where there's just stuff. There's just this unorganized pile of, oh, yeah, move that stuff out of the passenger seat and you can sit down kind of stuff. These are not car people generally. Yeah, I, I think for me, you're not going to be surprised, is cleanliness. But you can tell when a car hasn't been washed mm. in a long time. And if you don't wash your car, that the first thing is going to affect your paint, your mm. paint quality. All you have to do is just keep it washed. Washing and waxing is a whole nother step, but then mm-hmm. just wash, keep it clean. And you can tell when a car is consistently taken care of just, perf- you know, not performance, but just the exterior, just mm-hmm. keep it nice and clean. That is just the basics. You're kind of into cars at that point. Do you see this track daily crush? Oh yeah. It's a hard one Ford yes. GT, the new current Ford GT, the Ferrari F 40 and the Porsche 959 track daily crush. I think I know. Okay, go. I think I know as much as it pains me. I'm crushing the GT. Interesting. Okay. I can't help but love the 959 and the F40. I love the 959 enough to daily it. Okay. I love the F40 enough to track it. See, 
and the GT. I'm sorry. This is where we split. I would daily the GT, track the F40, crush the 959. I can't. I can't. Taylor Caldwell said, "Um, uh, excuse me. He's almost raising his hand tentatively. I bought a high mileage 2004 Porsche Cayenne S to be my winter daily. Did I make a huge mistake? (laughs) I have said on this podcast, on video for YouTube and many other places, I have a 2010 first-gen Cayenne. That was the last year of the first generation. I have said before, they didn't make a Cayenne in 07 because they were solving so many problems of the early ones from 03 to 06, which is why they are crazy cheap. Taylor just bought a 04, if you're following along with the class. Scary. You bought a Cayenne S, which means it's got the V8. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. This is where the problems lie, is that V8. Because they had plastic hoses in places that did not hold up well. So have your hoses been updated? That's the first question. If you solve the hose problem, and there's, and I'm forgetting it, I'm sorry, but if you look up, because there's information about the standard issues those early V8s had, and I know the hoses were one. If you update those things, I actually think it'll be okay. But the problem happened with people bought those early ones, especially the V8s, and the hoses went bad quickly, and they had other issues, and they had the problem we were talking about earlier. I bought this brand new car. Yeah. Why is it having all these problems all of a sudden? And so they instantly were deemed unreliable, and many of them were lemoned, and they were problematic. If you solve the issues with those early V8s, I think it'll be fine. If you just drive it, I think it'll be like our cheap sports car experience, which is drive it, have fun with it, and one day know that it may all go very, very wrong. (laughs) Buy a handy trebuchet that'll chuck a car into the next county just so you have it. Tow that along for later. Steezy West GTS asks our thoughts on the early Lexus IS 300s. He's in the market for one at the moment. We love them. I think they're cool. I like that they were so small and compact. They're very cool. I think they're great. What else? MTB Fun at 49 says, is it feasible to engineer more steering feel into the next generation of cars? Yes. But keep in mind that every car company has the customer they're going after. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just translate from materials and price point and styling. That definitely has to do with the feedback and how they want the car to drive, therefore attracting the kind of customer they want to attract. Mm. So yes, absolutely. All day long. That comes down to the choice of steering ratios and steering rack and how it's engineered and how it's bolted to the car and where it is and the weight over the front wheels and all those things. But again, it kind of depends on what the, well, what the mood board says. (laughs) Who's our customer? (laughs) What was the mood board we were in today? Tim Norman's asking a question about BMW 2 Series, saying, what are our thoughts on the current BMW 2 Series? Is the Turbo 4 enough engine? Tim, I'm going to guess, some call you Tim. I'm going to guess that the 2 Series you're talking about is the rear-wheel drive 2 Series, not the 2 Series Grand Coupe, which is their four-door, front-wheel drive, biased, all-wheel drive. They're different cars, which is highly confusing. I'm going to guess you're talking about the rear-wheel drive 2 Series has been around for a little bit and is still around. I actually like that in the four-cylinder. First time I ever drove it was the 228i, which I thought, really, 228i, on a track with the eight-speed automatic and was quite impressed. We've driven it in every variation all the way up to the M2. It's very good. I think the four-cylinder is also really good. I wouldn't avoid it. If you're talking about the 2 Series Grand Coupe, (laughs) there it is. I would get the other 2 Series. I'll just leave it there. Tiptoe. Crabtree Nate asks, why is it the more typical stands aren't fastbacks like the Audi A5 Sportback? Mm. It seems to be a better engineering answer to the three-box design while offering more storage. Yes, absolutely. And more and more car companies are gravitating towards that because they look good. 
And you're right, they're useful. But again, it kind of depends on what that company wants to project as an mm-hmm. image. Hatchbacks, not all of them can be a little bit lower on the price rung, maybe. Mm-hmm. Now, that is definitely changing. Genesis G70s kind of look that way. The Audis are doing it. Tesla is already there. It's mm. kind of a hatchback, fastback sure. kind of design. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it just kind of depends on what that company's image is and what they want to project. But I think that's going to be more and more. I think sedans as the three-box shape is going to be less prolific and more of this in-between kind of shape that you can't really say it's three-box, two-box. Mm-hmm. What is it? It'll be kind of somewhere in between, something like that. And then the last question for me, A. McFarlane asks me, Am I more afraid of my watch scratching my car or of my car scratching my watch? Let me put it this way. The car cost more than the watch. Guarantee. Fair. Fair. I love expensive watches. I've been fortunate to buy a couple in my life with, you know, prior tech money in my life, but mm, the car costs more. And when you look at an old watch and you think, huh, look at all the dings and scratches. They must tell a story and somebody lived their life. And that's kind of what I want. I had a friend who was accused one time of being wrinkly. Like, Man, you've got a lot of wrinkles. He said, I've had a happy life. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> the That's person was silent after that. Yeah. Alan wrote in and said, uh, these are fighting words. E39 M5. That is the late 90s, early 2000s. That's the iconic BMW M5. Or Chevy SS. Mm-hmm. Which one? Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to unpack this a little bit strangely, Alan. I think it depends on what your tolerance is and what you're going for. That E39 M5, more people are going to notice it and perceive it as, oh, you have one of those. Chevy SS may as well be a Malibu. Now, do you care? Do you, I'm ta- just talking styling. Oof. I mean, let's be honest, okay? So do you care about that? The E39 is going to be significantly older and significantly more maintenance finicky. Yeah. Than the Chevy SS. Yeah, true, true. If it were me, I would buy the Chevy SS with six-speed and Magna Ride and be super happy, even though the E39 is really cool. I do want that E39, though. I think the E39 would also have better steering feel. I'd still go Chevy SS. Yeah. yeah. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. You keep us endlessly entertained. It's we hope great. we do we the same it. for you guys. Thank you again. Write to us, TV at gmail.com if you want to just drop us a line. What, whatever's on your mind, and also your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and most of all, your car debates. Love Thank it. you, guys. Definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. 